Our reading may be more lengthy than what we normally normally read, but Second uh, Kings. Somebody said you just preached out of that a night or two ago, and I did. It won't be the same scripture. This will be in the fourth chapter, and uh, I don't know why. Most of the time, I don't worry about. See, the devil does know. I thought of what the brother preached about our adversary and the enemy and how he knows uh, which devices to use on who. But normally, see, me, uh, I, I, the Lord's helped me get a pass preaching on the same thing sometime. I've got to pass that. But with you all, I can't get a pass it because you record them. And they're out there. And somebody, and I'm, I mean, I'm serious. And somebody will be, and I, I don't know if I've preached this here, but that's what the devil has tried. To, you just preached that there the last time you was down there. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? If somebody looks back on and says, well, he preached it. He just goes around. He's got him a bunch of little revival sermons. He just goes around, preaches them same old messages everywhere he goes. All I know to preach is what God laid on my heart. And if I did preach it back then, I, it, was, it was for a different folk. Tonight it's for somebody else. So you pray for us tonight. We need, we need his help. And this is very familiar. Second Kings 4th chapter. And uh, you pray that God might, he might help us. 8th verse is where we'll start reading. I'm not sure how far we'll go, but uh, you just pray for us. I do appreciate our preaching, brethren, tonight. And it fell on a day that Elijah passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. Let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of hosts? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elijah had said unto her according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head, and he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. 
Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, and take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child. But there was neither voice nor hearing Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awaked. And when Elijah was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes his hands upon his hands, and he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro, and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. That's a whole lot of reading for me, but I seem like I needed to read all of that so folks maybe could. And I hope it's maybe you've got a picture of what's going on here and what's taking place. Just a couple of different thoughts that the Lord's placed on my heart tonight. And I... I, th- I thought this seemed like this come to me. It, it really pays to take time to add a place for the Lord in your life. It really pays off. And there's a lot of people today that don't have time. I, I, I talked to a young man. I was actually a training him some this week. And, and uh, I began to ask him if he went to church or whatever. And he told me he used to, but he'd sort of, you know, everybody, listen, everybody, I found this out, everybody that don't go to church has a good excuse. Everybody. You can't talk to a one that don't have a good excuse. It's good enough that it it helps them justify, in other words. It may not and probably won't stand up in the eyes of the Lord, but it's good excuse to them. It's one reason or another. But I begin to think about, boy, it's, uh, he's just a young boy. He's got two children already. He's not married. You, you may say, well, well, you know that's a common thing in the day we live. It's, it's a common thing. That doesn't make it right. There's a lot of things that's common, but that don't make them right. There's a lot of things this world has accepted and they use certain terms to, to tell us to be, uh, oh, I, I don't even really, that tells you, tolerant 
We're supposed to be tolerant. We're supposed to be all these other things on certain things. And it's, it's always amazed me how in the day we live in, I ain't going to get in politics. I don't want nobody to start ruffling their feathers much, but I do want people to understand how that even the nation we live in, and I love it, and I'm thankful for where I was raised, and I'm thankful for the men and women that bled and died so that we could have the freedoms that we do have today. But it's amazed me how that even our nation has changed the things that it was once founded on and the principles that it was once founded on. And and now we're living in a time that if you are godly and if you strive to live a godly life and you strive to hold up godly principles, then all of a sudden you have become a, a, a person of hate and a person that speaks hate. If you preach that book, it's a possibility and I, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It's already happened uh, but things have got turned around a little bit. It's not They've not hardly got such a hold but if things don't change and I'll get to my message maybe in a minute but if things don't change I'll say this to you and you can go home mark it on your calendar. If things don't get turned around pretty quick, within five years you won't be able to preach what we've heard that man preach this week. You won't be able. If you do, there'll be somebody that'll be knocking on your door and saying, I've heard. Now, boy, there's another thought. Now, you can't say because you've got evidence. It's being recorded. And you may say, now, wait a minute, preacher. What, what are you saying? I'm saying the world that we're living in has changed. It's changed to what they want to hear. Folks want to live their own life. Leave me alone. Don't tell me. But I, And it's not that I'm preaching against a certain individual. It's, listen, it's the same thing what the Lord upheld. He, listen, God loves sinners. Do you understand tonight that I love the souls of people that are called up in the LGBTQ, uh, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I love those people, but the sin that's in their life I can't condone that. I love the people that are caught in adultery, that are caught in, in living with one another and not marrying. And you may say, now preacher, we've got, listen, I'm not pointing fingers tonight. There's a woman in this book that had had five husbands and was living with one at that time that she met Jesus. But it didn't keep Jesus from offering something real to her that day that she could know about that would turn her life around. And she got a hold of that, didn't she? She said, I want that water. Give me a drink of that water that I won't have to come here and draw. Give me a drink of that water that I won't thirst again. You may think, well, preacher, you think you're perfect. Oh, no. I know I'm not perfect tonight. I know I've failed the Lord lots of times uh, on the journey. And I know probably I won't mean to, but I probably will in what days I've got ahead. Uh, uh, but I want you to understand this tonight. Uh, and I'll just have to stand on what this book says. If it was sin back in this day in 2021, it's still sin. Uh, uh, the Lord hasn't changed that. Uh, he hasn't changed what that He condones and what He puts His blessings upon. And you may think tonight, you young people, listen to me, uh, and I don't know why this thought would even come. Uh, uh, some of you may be getting close to uh, maybe looking for you a companion sometime. Uh, I'll say this to you. Uh, in God's house is a good place to start. Because when you get out there in the world, there's a lot of different things. And if you ain't careful, you might say, well, preacher, they just ain't nobody our age in, in the church that I go to. Well, then visit a sister church. And I'm not saying go to church to find you a husband. Go to church to worship and in your prayer time say, God, send me the man. Send me the woman. 
Somebody said, well, I don't believe that works. You just need to find somebody cute and somebody with some money, and that'll get you by. I'll tell you what, you'll get tired of that in a little while. Not that I know, but I'm, according to that book, those things only are temporary. And see what happens when you get the soulmate that God has sent you, they'll stay with you. <laughs> they'll stay with you. And you know what? Somebody said, well, they're, they're honorary and they're, they get contrary. And my wife's sitting back there. And, and we've been married uh, 1986, June the 6th, 1986. So you figure up the years, 35. Maybe somewhere long in there. But anyhow, we've been married a long time. And there are days that I know she does not want me very close to her. There are days that, to be honest, I don't want her very close to me. And you may say, preacher, that's a terrible thing to say. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to make it, just bear with me here. It, that's the carnal, that's the flesh that begins to, now when, listen, when we get in revival, even in our honoriest times, you know what we do? We, we can tolerate one another. When we're in, and our, and our minds are more spiritually minded we, we, we'll learn to look past our mistakes. We look, I know I've got mistakes. But when we're carnally minded and we have differences, I'm always right. If you ask me. If you ask her, she'll always be right. And so that's where the problem begins. And you may think, I, I don't know why God gave me that thought. But I will say this, it come to me about three nights ago and left. And it come back, so there must be a reason. Somebody must need to know that God does have somebody for you to spend your life with out there. And you may say, now preacher, uh, there's tough times and there's, I understand there's certain situations and God tells us about those situations in his book. But I'm saying this, if you'll pray and you'll ask God to Join you together. God will give you a helpmate. Is that not what he made man in the beginning? He said it's not good for man. I'll get back to my message in a minute. But he said it's not good for a man to dwell alone. He needs a helpmate. And he caused that sleep to come on Adam. And he reached down inside of him and pulled out a rib and made woman. <laughs> and that's the only way people can be married. That's the only holy matrimony that God set up. Don't care how many laws get passed. It is not lawful in the eyes of God for a man to marry a man or a woman to marry a woman. It is an abomination. That's not what Tim Eaton thinks. That's what that book says. Now, if we ain't careful... Thank you, Lord. This is what we'll do. I'll try to hurt. This is what we do as God's people. Well, I know that's wrong. I ain't going to get caught in that. But if somebody goes out and slips around on their wife or slips around on their husband, you know, sometimes we don't look at that. Maybe as well, they just messed up. You reckon? Sin is sin. Amen. Period. But we'll look at some sin and we'll say, boy, that's just terrible. But then we'll do some little sin and we'll, well now, Lord, that, I, that's, I know that's bad, but now, boy, it sure ain't like, it sure ain't like that bunch over there. It ain't like what they've done. Oh, I'm telling you, if sin gets in your life, you'll have to, I don't care if it's a little sin or if it's a big sin, you'll have to repent of it, get it out of your life before God will ever be able to use you. You, you may think, see, this is the, and you may say that's not scripture. The Bible says he can not use those unless they have clean hands and a pure heart. That's the ones God can use. So if you've got sin in your life, and I, somebody said, preacher, why would you? You've got to weigh off your text, and we really know maybe I ain't if God will just help me get there in a minute. But listen, if sin and when sin gets in our life, this is what we must do. That's why the Lord said that he, the brother preached it last night about being our mediator. He is also our intercessor. And, and boy, when sin does get in our life, then we've got one we can go to. 
And we can go to him and we can beg him and say, God, I'm sorry. I have failed you. I've let this get a hold of me or I let that get a hold of me and draw me away from you. And it was my fault. Sometimes we want to blame somebody else. But I believe it was, wasn't it James? I think it was that James said that man sins when he's enticed and drawn away of his own lust. And lust, when it conceives, brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, what? Brings forth death. You want to die spiritually? Keep sin in your life. You can go to church every Sunday and be dead spiritually. Amen. Dead spiritually. We've got, and I don't mean this the wrong way, we've, our churches are full of people that's in that shape. Amen. I'm talking missionary Baptist churches. Our churches are full of folks that's dead spiritually because they just want, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying you've got, that we've got murders and all that, but let's just let's go back to sin. Somebody said, well, well, I wish you could define that. Well, I will with the help of the Lord. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. So you know what that means? That means if you come to God's house, And God stirs your heart and says, stand and give your testimony. Stand and tell people what I've done for you. And you deny him and push that away, you've sinned. You failed God. And somebody said, well, 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 I didn't mean to. Nah, this is what I want you to understand. When that, what that does is that separates you from the Lord. You have pushed him away. You've done no different than what Peter done. You denied him. You disobeyed him. And you may think, preacher, I I thought you was going to preach on this Shunammite woman, and I'm getting there. But this is what I want you to understand. Until we repent and say, God, I'm sorry, what would Peter do? The Bible said when that old cock crew, Peter went out and wept bitterly. He repented. He repented. And God moved on him on the day of Pentecost. That's another way you know he repented. God moved on him on the day of Pentecost and he stood and preached the gospel to them people and 3,000 souls. What about that? But we want to say God can't. 3,000 souls one day. Not in a year, one day. So tonight, you may say, well, and I started out with a thought. It takes, it means something. It's worth something to take time to add a place in your life for God. The Bible said this old prophet Elijah was a passing through Shunem, and there was a great woman in Shunem, a great woman, and she invited him in to eat bread. Just come in and sit down and eat with us. She wanted him to abide, and every time that he would pass by that way, and I, boy, there's a strange thought right there, but you read in that book when Jesus lived and walked here, there's different places that he passed through Jericho, or he passed by Jericho, or he was entering in he was, he was just passing through. He was, just, he, was, he was on his move and on his ministry. He had a work to do, and he was just passing by. And that's what this man of God, he was just passing through Shunem. But this woman invited him into her house and her husband's house. And she constrained him, eat bread with us. You know, it's one thing for somebody to come and visit you. We're used to family folks doing that. But when you get, and there's some, they some people here tonight that uh, one in the other, he, I ain't going to, but, but we've become friends through the years. And actually, we've become beyond that. But you know, you know what, what has grown that uh, relationship? Well, we didn't, just, we didn't just pass by one another and sit down and eat a meal but we, we begin to spend lots of time together. Sometimes it'd be on the golf course. Sometimes it would just, sometimes it'd be in church. And over the years, that relationship has grown closer and closer. We don't see each other as much now as we once used to. But you, you may say, but see, this is the thing about it. Once a bond gets formed, unless there's a great... Uh, difference or disagreement 
that comes somewhere. Unless, unless a Satan gets in, that bond will, whether you see them in 10 years or you, it, you still know, boy, that bond's. I, I know that they, I know they love me, and I, you may say, preacher, were you here? Was this woman, and she was asking the Lord. That's the picture I see. She was asking the prophet, "Come in, eat with us," and he began to do that. And he began to do that. Do you understand? There's a lot of I've said this lots of times. There's a lot of churches that miss out on the Lord passing by because they're gone at twelve o'clock, and the Lord come by at twelve o five. They will not take time to give God the time to let him move in his time. They want to put him on our time. And I told you the other night about the young man that told me, Preacher, you can't, and I don't even remember where I was. I want to say I was maybe at Rolling Hills. I ain't 100% sure helping in revival, but that young teenage boy that come up to me and told me, you can't hold people's attention, but 20 minutes, you do know that, don't you? And he was as serious, I mean stone, he was serious. He wasn't joking, he wasn't playing, he wasn't. And when I asked him, when I asked him who told him that, he said, well, one, we, we were sort of studying over this in school. And one of the teachers, that's, that's sort of, that's an average on how long. And I said, son, I want you to remember this. I may, I may have mentioned this the other night. But I said, I want you to remember this. I can't hold, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to hold your attention five minutes. But if God gets in the matter, he can hold your attention for a whole lot longer than that. And that's what we need around this place is God to get in the matter. For God to begin to get people's attention and say, hey... This is what I require of you. I thought here is this woman, I'll hurry. And, here, and she began to plead with this man of God. And he began to pass by and eat with her. And he would stop at her house and eat. But they didn't have a place for him to stay. And she talked to her husband and she said, I perceive that this man is a holy man of God. Let us make a little chamber. She didn't say, let's add on 2,000 square. She just said a little chamber. A place that he can let us put in there a bed and a table and a chair and a candlestick so that when he comes by, he won't just eat and pass on. It's good to eat off the Lord's table, ain't it? But it's better when the Lord a linger, not just eat and move on. We've all got those family members that like to come to the house and eat and then leave. But what makes the bond grow closer is when they stay and you begin to tell one another about those times you've had in the past and, and how much you love each other and how much you meant. And that bond begins to get greater. And what this woman wanted was this. She realized this is a man of God. If we can take time to put a little chamber over here, he won't just have to eat and leave, but he can linger with us. He can stay around us. And I thought, and I know tonight it may be strange, but when I see this great woman, it seems like I see the church. It, it seems like I can see a picture of, of that motherhood. I, I can see a picture of that one that cares, uh, that one that wants to be a mother. And you may think, and I've been criticized sometimes uh, for preaching along that line, but I'm just telling you what I see when I see the picture. And here was this woman and the man of God. He got to where he had come by and he would eat and he would stay in one day. He told his servant, he said, go, go talk to that Shunammite woman and tell her to come to you. You tell her she's been awful good to us and caring for us and ask her what we, what we can do for her. Tell her that we can talk to the king or we can talk to the captain of the host. I mean, the man of God not only had ties with God, he had ties with some people that had some authority. God had used him in a way, actually, I believe I mentioned the other night maybe about those kings and the king of Judah that wanted to look up the man of God and see exactly what God was going to do with them on their journey. But here she was and her, her reply was, I dwell among mine own people. In other words, I don't, want to go, I don't want to go be in the king's household. I don't want to be, I don't want to be moved off somewhere. But I'll dwell among my own people the Lord give me a thought there. 
You know, really and truly, the church of the living God just can't mix with everything in the world. That's, you may say, now wait a minute, preacher, you, now you're being prejudiced. No, I'm not being prejudiced. I'm just staying in the Bible. We, the Lord says we are a peculiar people. That doesn't mean we need to have the high head and say, now we're better than them, so we don't, we don't need them in our church. We don't need them coming to our church. Some folks have asked me this, well, if you knew somebody was gay, would you let them come to your church? I said, sure. Sure. Got no issue with that. But I won't let them stand and promote their agenda. I would have to stand against that. But for them to come and hear the gospel, to let God's people and and His love be in their midst, I got no issue with that. I've got no issue. And you may think tonight, preacher, listen, this was a, the Bible said this was a, and the way it referred to her, and that's often amazed me, but it said it was a, she was a great woman. I think, I think she would fit in that qualification just the way I've always seen her. And I can't remember what chapter of Proverbs that's in, brother, but it talks about that virtuous woman. I believe this Shunammite woman was in that category. I believe that she, her desire was, was to be that support to her husband and that help to her husband and to be that light around that community. And she wanted that man of God. She didn't just want him to pass by her house and eat. She wanted him to come and linger a little while. And she said, let's make a chamber. And so they did. And when the man of God asked her what he could do, he, he began to ask Gehazi, well, if she don't want me to talk to the king or the captain of the host, what can we do for her? And he said she has an old child and her husband is old. And, and the Bible said, Elijah said, Gehazi, tell her to come to me. And she come to the door and he told her, he said, according to the time of life, he said about this season, next, in other words, next year, wherever, how long, this is what it boiled down to. When the time comes around, you're going to have a son. You're going to conceive and have a son. And she thought that this couldn't be. And I thought, I wonder if she remembered the scripture about Abraham and Sarah. There's been different ones. You know, we we talk of Abraham and Sarah a lot. And that's in the Old Testament. But you read about, read about Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom. You read about her and her husband. They wasn't spring chickens either. They was on up in years. And you know what God done? God sent a messenger to them and let them know. And not just let them know that they was going to have a child, but let them know what to name him. People have, my, my, my daughter's getting ready to, they, they, I don't, maybe me and my wife had a hard time getting names. I don't know. I guess you get older and you think things, you, you, you forget things that you, maybe you went through. But it seems like that my daughter and them, they didn't, they, she knew she was expecting. And she's like, well, if it's a girl, we don't know what we're going to name it. And we'd go through 100,000 names. And I'd think one, I think it was good, you know, and she's like, no, I don't like that, Daddy. And we'd, we'd, we'd go back and forth. And they had him a boy's name, but for some reason, I think she thought she was going to have a girl. And they found out different. But it seems like sometimes people get caught up on, on what to name their child, and they get hung up, and they worry, and they fret. But God, God took all that away from Elizabeth and her husband. He said, this is, he's going to be called John. You're going to call him John. And you may think tonight, now preacher, exactly what are you saying? I'm saying this Shunammite woman took time and built on to her house, to her dwellings, her and her husband's place of abode, so this man of God would have a place to eat, to sleep, whatever he needed to do. And they didn't leave him, I thought about that, they didn't leave him in the dark. They put a candlestick in there that he would have to have light by. You may think tonight, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying, church, it's our duty. When the Lord saves an individual, it's our duty to make sure we take time.
to let Him have that place in our life. Not just, not just the part that's handy for us, but the part that'll please Him. The very best. And here was this woman. I'll try to hurry. But here she was now. And the man of God had given her this petition. And that was to have the child. And sure enough, when the next time the season rolled around, the child came. And the Bible said when it was grown, that it went out to its father where the reapers was at in the field. And the child had a pain in its head. And he cried out. I don't know how old this child was. Evidently old enough to be in the field where the reapers and his father was. Evidently old enough to be out there working. But that day he had a pain. And he cried out, my head, if you're lost tonight, I wish you would listen to me for just a few more minutes. He cried out, my head, my head. The father knew, you know, sometimes we as parents... I can remember my children uh, and when they get a little older, now when they're young we fret over them, every little whimper especially the first one the second one has it a little rougher most of the time the first one we, every time they you know, whimper a little, we just run in but as they grow up, you begin to learn, they have different cries there's that cry I didn't get what I want and I ain't happy. There's that cry. There's that cry of, you've hurt my feelings. And I'm sad. There's that cry. But then there's that cry, I'm hurting. I need help. Come to me. I need help. I believe the Father knew the cry that day. And he called one of the servants and he said, run the lad to his mother. And I thought, you know, this might seem so strange to some folks, but the father knows when the cry gets right. And I'm not talking about your natural father. I'm talking about the heavenly father. He knows when the cry. He, somebody said, preacher, what are you saying? I'm a saying he knows your heart tonight. Uh, and he knows, he knows when you desire salvation above everything that's been testified about, talked about, and preached about the last several nights. Uh, but God knows when her heart is in it. And he knows when we're just sort of hitting the lick here and there and yonder. And maybe I ought to tonight, maybe I ought to try. And I had tomorrow night, well, you know, I don't know. It don't seem like it's bothering me that bad. I told you what I could do when I was, went to the altar when I was seven. I could come. I could weep. And I'm, I'm being honest. I could weep as good as any mourner I'd ever seen on the mourner's bench. I could cry my eyes out. I was very tenderhearted. I could cry my eyes out. And I would ask God to save me. But as soon as they said amen, when I'd get sort of tired and I'd quit praying, I'd start listening, what's going on in the service. And I was hoping it was fixing to wind down, me on the altar. And I was hoping this was getting about ready to dismiss, but maybe this one would testify and that one would testify. And I'd think, and then there's always those folks in church, boy, you know when they stand up there, it's going to be a while. And, and you can tell by their voices. And I would think, well, I'm, still, I'm probably still going to have 10 more minutes. And that was just a child. And I was not lost. And as soon as amen was said, I would get up, run right out the door, play tag, carefree, no trouble. But boy, the night that the Lord touched my heart and His Word cut me, I wasn't thinking about going outside and playing tag. I wasn't worried about what was going on around me. All I wanted to do, I wanted the Lord to come by where I was at. I needed Him to come by and deliver my soul. But here was this woman. I'll try to hurry. And the Bible said that lad was carried by a servant. 
uh, to his mother's arms. Uh, and she held him, this is what the Bible said, she held him on her knees till noon. Uh, I've been there. I still remember. I told you all about the bronchitis I used to have. And I had it till I was probably on up in the third, fourth, fifth grade maybe. Uh, and I can remember when I'd get sick, sick. Uh, the most comfortable, the most secure place you could be was in mama's arms on her knees in that old rocking chair. They wasn't nothing like it. I didn't feel like there was any safer place in the world. And I believe the father knew where the lad needed to be. Listen to me, sinner. God knows where you need to be. And that's why he set the church up. Listen, God could have and he did and I'll try to hurry up. But God did. I said this one time and God corrected me so fast. I said, and I said it while I was preaching. I said, God could have made a way that everybody on the earth would have been saved. Just boom, that quick and been saved. Everybody's perfect. And then God said, I did. <laughs> that quick. He said, I did. And he did. When he created man and put him in the garden, they was perfect. Sinless. His creation. Until... Go back to what the brother preached the other night. And let's just be honest. Eve, boy, I am not a male chauvinist pig. I don't want anybody to think this. But I am going to stay in the Bible with you. Eve was the weaker vessel. So that is who Satan moved in on first. I understand. I have, listen to me, young ladies. I, I have no issue with you going and doing what you feel like you need to do as occupation. But just be sure you do this. You be sure you always put God first in your life and you ask God to give you a man that you will willingly submit. I, 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 I seem like the Lord sort of... You, God did not command women to love their husbands. That got quiet. Being honest with you, he told the wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. You know what he told us, husbands? Love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, you may say, well, preacher, you're saying I don't have to love my husband. I didn't say that. I'm just saying God did not command you to like he did the husbands too. But I do believe this. You can take that scripture and if you submit yourselves to your husbands as unto the Lord, there will have to be a love there. I love the Lord, but the reason I loved him is because he first loved me. So, boy, there's another good lesson, I guess. That's a whole different message probably, but I will leave it with us husbands. If we want our wives to love us, like they need to biblically and spiritually and submit to us like the Bible says, then we probably ought to love them like the Bible says. That, boy, somebody didn't like that. And I can't help it. It's just the Word of God. This woman loved her husband. And she was a great woman. I believe folks in the community thought a lot of her. But I want you to understand, she didn't do a thing without her husband's permission. When she got ready, to, she felt like that this man of God needed to linger around where they was a living. She went to her husband. And she said, I perceive this as a holy man. Let us make a chamber. Not, I'm going to build one. You can help me with it if you want to. Wasn't that attitude. It was let us. Let's do this. I, I, God's in this. Let's do this. Oh, you may say, preacher, you're getting way off your mark. Just bear with me just a few more minutes, if you will. But here she was, and now she's a sitting in here. She's got this, her only son on her lap, and he's dying. And she's doing everything she can, but at noon, the child dies. You know where she carries him? She didn't carry him to her bed. She carried him to that little chamber. 
that she had made for the man of God to pass by where he dwelt, where he talked to the Lord, where he truly, I believe with all my heart in this scripture, it's a picture of the Lord. It's a picture of him abiding and a dwelling and a tarrying in our midst. And you know what she done? She carried him to that bed and she laid her child down and she walked out and shut the door. Did you know, parents, there comes a time in your child's life what you have to do is you have to carry them to the Lord and you have to lay them down. And you have to just leave them. You, you, somebody said, oh, now preacher, who in the world are you preaching to? I don't know who it's to, but God's wanting to help some. And you may think, why, why in the world would you preach that? Because there comes a point we can't do nothing but carry them to the Lord. And we have to leave them there and get a hold of God ourselves. And then let God do His work that only He can do. Is that what she done? Let me finish this up if God will help me. The Bible said she shut the door, run to her husband, called to her husband is what it said. She didn't just go and saddle an ass and take off without her husband knowing where she was going. She went and she called to him and said, husband, if you will, send me one of the servants and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and what? And come again. I'm a going, but I'm going to come back. Don't you worry. I'm going, but I'm going to come back. Oh, I, I begin to think about the faith that this woman had. I begin to think about how faithful she was to the husband. I begin to think about how faithful she was to the Lord. And you may think, preacher, why, uh, this is a strange, maybe it is strange to you, but if God will just help me finish up here. Here the Bible said, when the servant was a coming, she saddled the ass and she told the servant, slack not thy riding except I bid you. In other words, I'm in a hurry to get to Mark, Mount Carmel. Don't you slow down. That was the polite thing to do was to take it easy so the ride wouldn't be too rough for the ladies. And you just slowed down. But that wasn't what she told him. I'm in a hurry. Did you know there's times, church, we need to be in a hurry? to get a hold of God. We need, we need to see the urgency of it. We need to see, boy, we need God in our midst. We've got to get a hold of Him and we've got to get Him back here to where our lost are dying without Him. But she said, don't slack your riding. And they took off. And this is, listen to me here. This is why I get a picture. It sort of reminds you just a little bit there of the prodigal son because the Bible said Elijah looks up and he sees the Shunammite coming afar off at yonder. And he tells his servant, yonder's that Shunammite woman. Go out there and ask her if, if it's well with her. If it's well with her husband. If it's well with her child. Listen to the faith she had. She said, it is well. When he went and asked, she said, it is well. She had a child back at the house that was dead. But she said, it is well. You may think, oh, how in the world could you say that? Knowing there was a dead child laying back home because she had faith in what God could do. The very God that gave her that child. And so what she done was, the Bible said Gehazi, he realized that her soul was vexed and the Lord had hid it from him. The Gehazi, the servant, was trying to push her away. She, she didn't come with no polite way of addressing the man of God. She come with the urgency, the Bible said, and grabbed a hold of his feet. Sometimes I thought of what Brother Brad preached last night. Boy, I know there's a lot of thoughts and seem like I'm... A... But he talked about that boldness that we can come to the Lord in. And that boldness is not... That's not the proud boldness that the world wants you to have. It's a boldness of faith, knowing that you can approach him in his throne room and believe and know that he's going to hear and answer and he knows your need. And so she come and just grabbed a hold of his feet and she said, the, 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 the Bible said the man of God realized that something was going on. He sent Gehazi with his staff to go before him. But she, this was her reply. As the Lord liveth and as I so liveth, I will not. In other words, I'm not letting go of you. 
till you come back to my house and help me with the situation I'm in. I've got a situation that i done all I could do. I held him. I cared for him. I asked you for a child. I told you not to lie to me. And now that child, he's gone. But I know you have power that is beyond what I can do. And I thought, little church, boy, that, that real church, that real mother, you know what she'll do? She'll hold on until the Lord comes and does the work that only He can do. And there she held on and the Bible said that Elijah got up and began to follow her. Gehazi met him. I don't know how far that it was across the country there. I, don't, I didn't look that up. I probably should have and could have from Shunem to Mount Carmel. But Gehazi had come back and he said, I've laid the staff upon the child, and he's, he's still no life about him. And the Bible said when Elijah got there, he went in to the room, that little chamber that was made so he could stop by, so he could dwell around their place, so he could be in their midst. How bad do we really want the Lord? I said the other night, it's, it's easy for us to see our need of God when we're in trouble or our people is sick. This woman wasn't that away when she first met this man of God. She just wanted to be sure that he had a place and she wanted it to be around where she was at. Most of the world today, really and truly, and I'm, I'll, I'll be done just a minute maybe, but most of the world today... Let, we really don't have the time to give God that God really wants. So we give Him what we want to give Him. We give Him what's handy for us. We give Him, uh, and, and I won't get into all that the other night, but if you went home and added up the hours, uh, we about, most of us, somewhere probably around 12 or 14 hours short on the 10th of our time. If all you come to is church and prayer meeting. So that leaves a lot of time that God wants with us that we're not giving Him. And, and I'll, I'll say this. Boy, I know this is... And it don't seem like it bothers us until trouble comes. And then you know what happens? We wonder where the Lord's at. Where did He go? Why did He let this happen? Why did this come my way? This Shunammite woman, she done all she could... But she knew this man of God could be a help. She knew he had access and power. And she runs, gets a hold of him, brings him back. He goes in, stretches himself upon the child. And the Bible said the child's body waxed warm. And he gets up and he walks to and fro. And he stretches himself upon the child the second time. And the child sneezed seven times. I, I really don't, I'm sure all of those things, I don't, I don't even need to go into that. And I, don't, I couldn't explain it. But the child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. And the Bible said Elijah called to Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite woman and tell her to come in and take up her son. And I thought of this, church, if we can hold on, if we can keep that place that the Lord had just stopped by and dwell with us and eat with us and linger with us, and we can, we, our faith can be great enough to know that when our children get in that trouble, and I know tonight I'm so scattered, but this, this son had a pain I feel like he'd never had before. When your children have that pain, that trouble that they've never had before. When a lost sinner gets lost for the first time, that's a trouble they ain't never felt before. I, you may say, and I'm not saying tonight it's a, it's a hurt like being cut or like having your arm broke or your collarbone or your leg broke. It's not that kind of pain. It's deeper than that. It gets down on the inside. And it's a knowledge of knowing if you die, hell's going to get you. It's a knowledge of knowing you're separated from God. And when that pain comes, it's a pain you ain't never had before. And your cry changes. <laughs> and the Father knows it. That's why this church 
the lights are burning, and I, I can't. I pastored a little old church up home, uh, Union. And that's actually where I was talking about Brother Moran being when I was a little kid and helping in meeting there. But it's a pretty big church for being out in the country. It's, it's three, three rows wide as well. And, and I, God gave me a message, I don't know why, one time, and I, that's been a long time ago now. But I, I remember part of that message was there's a reason God seen fit to build this church this size. There's a reason. Folks, the folks that set this thing up in 17, can I remember, 95? Was it 1795, I'm thinking? I'm thinking probably in that day for being in Kentucky and in Warren County, this had to be a pretty good-sized building. I would think for a church, because most churches in, in our area that were even built in the late 1800s and early 1900s, most of them are much smaller than this. Much smaller. So the folks that set this up that God had, had put on their heart to start this place, this place of worship, it, there's a reason that there's this many pews in here. They had a vision and a desire. And what it wasn't that the Lord needed this much room. It was that God's going to come by and He's going to bless in a great enough way. He's going to add to the church and He's going to send lost sinners because we're going out there and we're going to labor and work to get them to come and God's going to save them. Let's build Him a church. I know tonight... You may say, Preacher, you've been all over the place and ain't been nowhere. But I wonder tonight, really, have you made that place as a child of God? Is there a place? Is there that place that you want the Lord, not just on, not just on Sunday mornings, but you want Him to dwell there with you? Every day, that old song in the garden where it says, I, I used to... Dread them singing that song. I thought it was so slow and draggy when I was a kid. But the older I've got, the more precious it's got to me. It says, and he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I'm his own. Oh, that's the kind of relationship God wants with his people. And he wants us to have that place Oh, that he'll just pass by and linger with us. And you may say, but preacher, what about those that's lost? When that pain comes, when that trouble comes, make that cry. Make that cry. Run to the... You may say, well, I, I, I hate for people to know I'm... That's why, that's why these mourner's benches were set up. So that you could come and you not only show God that you're concerned about your soul's condition, but you show God's people, I need your prayers. I need your help. I need you to be that spiritual mother to me and carry me to the place and lay me down at the right place and then get a hold of the power of God and bring it around me that it'll do the work. That it can do. I know the night the message has been scattered tonight. But church, we have a great responsibility as God's people. But sinner friend, understand this. This church, and I felt the Lord around this place. And the Lord is in the midst. And when He passes by, He's wanting you. He's wanting you to come to Him and come and let people know I'm lost and I need your prayers. I've seen... I've seen a grown man, and I'll, I'll surely be able to be done. And I may have told y'all this before. His name is Roy White. I forgot his name some time ago. I remembered his first name, forgot his last name. But his name was Roy White. I was up at a church in Hart County called Macedonia. I didn't know Roy, but everybody around there knew Roy. He was a businessman, evidently had done well for himself. And in the community, everybody thought a lot of him. People was talking about him. I was just hearing bits and pieces, but they, people would say, Roy's going to come. I didn't know who Roy was, but Roy showed up, and he got to coming services. And he would, he would sit much smaller church than this, probably half, half the size, two, two, two rows of pews, aisle up the middle. But Roy was sitting back in about middle ways back. And Roy would come, and people would go to him. He, 
he, and they'd shake his hand, and I, 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 never, I just didn't have no leadership to go to him, but Pete, he, Roy would shake. I, all I'd see is him shake his head no. And he never moved. But one night in that meeting, I, I know I've told some, some of y'all is going to remember this probably, as an old sister got up out of the A-Women corner. She walked across to where Roy was. I, I, can, <laughs> I can still see her feeble hand trembling. And she reached out to Roy. And when Roy took her hand, he melted. Tears started flowing. And he come down the aisle, a grown man. I'd say at that time, and that's probably been 25 years ago, that time Roy was probably in his mid-40s or early 50s. But as he was coming down the aisle, I can still hear him. I don't remember if my wife was there that night or not. But he was coming down the aisle saying, I can't do this myself. I need help. <laughs> That's what he was saying. There's nothing wrong with sinners saying, I need help. Help me. Y'all pray for me. I need the Lord. I beg you, please pray for me. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, this boy had a pain and he cried out, my head, my head. And the father knew the mother would surely be able to help. And the mother did help because she went to the man of God and got him back to that little place. And God done the work that only he could do. Lost sinner, if you'll come to him right. Church, if, let's, let's carry them to the, to the only place that we can. And when we get to that place, let's just stand on the outside in faith believing, still with a prayerful heart that God's going to do his work. That's as far as God's going to let me travel tonight. I know it's been awful scattered, but that's what the Lord's given me. Let's be sure we have a place for the Lord. Sinner friend, be sure when that pain comes, when that trouble comes, Make your cry. Make your cry. Don't be ashamed to cry out and say, boy, I need help. I need help. Can y'all please pray for me? Stand while we sing. Let's mind the Lord.